This is the Support Ops Podcast, and I'm your host, Chase Clemens. The show is devoted entirely to bringing some humanity back to the world of customer support. Find us on the web at supportops.co, and on Twitter, I'm at supportops. This is episode number 15, sponsored by HelpSpot, an absolutely great support app from the team over at Userscape. You probably remember hearing Ian from before on the podcast. With HelpSpot, you actually own your support app rather than just renting it from some company. And the best part, you're going to save 100 bucks when you check it out at helpspot.com forward slash support ops just for our listeners. So helpspot.com forward slash support ops. We're back with special guest Adam Stakoviak. It's part two of the interview with him. So make sure to listen to part one first if you haven't yet. And without further ado, let's dive back in, Adam. Well, let's um, let's talk about how... Um, so we talked a lot about like finding, hiring, asking the right questions to these potential future super awesome support people that can work with us and do you know phenomenal work with us. But you know how? Let's flip that around and look at how that changes the way we develop software, the changes the way we ship software, changes the way we plan software, the changes the way we design software. It changes everything. It does change everything, doesn't it's it? It's a whole new world. It's like like uh the matrix and the pill oh boy you know? you've taken the the blue blue pill do they take the blue pill or the red pill i don't know whatever one they took pill <laughs> it's a I, whole new I world told morpheus keep it <laughs> um yeah it, it kind of goes in and changes you know where you are right now you've you you've got a good tight working group that, that's working on pure charity right and you're working with customers and so whenever a customer says something to you you can immediately relay it to the rest of the team and and there's this nice flow working out and now you're introducing a new person to the mix um now if they're the right person it's it's going to work almost seamlessly they're going to be able to kind of take over the things that you're doing and that lets you focus on actually managing the product as a whole so um that's why I keep harping back on this is a really, really important first hire when it comes yeah. to the support hire. I'm worried. Trust me. <laughs> Take your time. It's fine, you know. Don't make a mistake. You'll be fine. Um yeah, and so basically it becomes this kind of the support person there is there to communicate from your company to your customers, right? So here's our app, here's what it does. When you have a problem, here's here's how to fix it. But they're also working the other way. They're they're taking what the customer's saying and, and giving it back into you, back into the team. They're um, telling them, they're telling you and the rest of the team, hey, look, this is where customers are having trouble. This is the pain points that we've been noticing. These are some of the criticisms that we've got. Um, or here's where you really nailed it. Here's where the customer absolutely loved how easy this was or how easy that was. And and so they're making your your product actually a lot better because they're taking all this customer uh, emails and, and comments and everything else and distilling it down into, Adam, here's where it's going good. Here's where it's going bad. Here's what we can do better. Here's what we're doing great at. Yeah. It's that – well, I mean um... – preaching to the choir in terms of 37 signals, but, you know, you guys have always been about, you know, I I guess you can't really say only you guys, but uh, getting that necessary feedback from customers. But at the same time, you guys are kind of like visionaries and you almost, uh, I remember Jason saying, I'm not sure where exactly, but it's, it's something that's been uh, something that uh, he he has said. And a lot of people know that he said it, which was um, 
some of the customer support emails that he would get back in the day when he used to do your job was he would just throw them right in the trash and not like mm-hmm. into the perver- you know the the digital trash. Yeah. And he would just keep doing that until enough of them asked for a certain feature, and then he would think, okay, well now now it really matters. Um, I don't know why I said that, but um, I guess I just want to knock Jason for a little bit there. But, uh, um, yeah, we definitely do support a little bit differently than Jason does. Jason can get away with like writing two lines back to a customer, and they get excited that the founder of the company is writing back to them. If I use two lines to the customer, I'll get frowned. Yeah, guarantee it every time. <laughs> I guess what I mean to say there is that's the that's the um, feedback loop coming back, right? Yeah. That's, that's where you ship something out. Somebody, a customer, uses it, and then says, um, "Yeah, I got a problem here," or "This is really great." It's that it's that feedback loop. Is that the only feedback loop you guys have? That's kind of uh, the big one, um, and people get freaked out because they're like, "Oh, your customers have no voice inside of your apps," um, or they'll they'll run to the other end when we tell them that uh, you know we we do listen to feedback and 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 do listen to to customer comments that kind of thing. They'll go, "Oh, but then you're not being visionary. You're going to dilute your uh, your app down to just the the kind of mass whatever the masses want." And I don't know if I just somehow thought up this amazing phrase or if I stole it from somebody. So if I stole it from you, please let me know. Um, but what I've kind of come to terms with is that your company should be customer inspired, but not customer driven. And what I mean by that is your customers are going to have good ideas. They're, they're going to have uh, ways that you can do something better or that you can make something clearer or, or things like that, right? So your customers are there to inspire you and to help you but they don't drive your product. They don't get to make all the calls about it. Uh, you know, if, if somebody writes in and says, yeah, I'd love, I love pure charity, but it would be a lot cooler if a, a penguin was your mascot. That's absurd. <laughs> you know, absolutely. I don't care if 50 people tell me that a penguin should be my mascot. I'm not picking a penguin as my mascot. Just not yeah. happening. Um, so customer inspired, not customer driven. And the way that you can kind of pull this off is to get your support person in there whenever you're making big design decisions and, and big app decisions. Um, so going to be really easy when you first start out because you've got your support person and, and they can sit in on the meetings and that kind of thing. As your support team grows, it becomes a little bit more difficult, but I can kind of tell you what we've done with 37 signals. We actually have, uh, and we talked about it a little bit in our pre-call phone call, whatever we ended up calling that. I forget <laughs> what you, uh, said it was friends, but anyways, chatting. friends friends chatting moment yes um we have what's called shipping lanes um so we've got two shipping lanes at any given time and so we can ship two features we can go hardcore in on these two features the design's ready the programmers are getting ready everything's getting ready to launch for two features at any given time that's that's kind of what our our resources allow and once those enter into a shipping phase that shipping lane that's when Michael, our QA guy, gets involved. And, and you know, his job is to find the bugs that are probably there, you know, to, f- to flush them out and get those fixed, uh, just like any QA person was. But Michael was also part of the support team before, so he's bringing our customer into that shipping lane with him. So when he goes and looks at a new feature, he can, he can tell the designers and, and the team working on it, hey, look, you know, this is going to be really confusing. You know, you really think it's great that you put the, bu- the button for this right here, but if you move it over here or you move it to this page, it's going to cut down five or 10 emails for us every day. Um, and, and it sounds really trivial, right? You, you move a button from one page to another and all of a sudden it cuts down on, on five or 10 emails a day. Uh, five days a week, that, that adds up. 
So having that customer's voice right there inside that shipping lane is going to really help out. It's going to be able to to let your designers and your programmers hear from them um, almost like they have a customer in the room, metaphorically, you know? So is that because he was once on the support team he can facilitate that, or is that because the QA role describes that or prescribes that? He was our first QA person. So it was one of those where we kind of fleshed it out with him, and it was, I won't say like a happy accident, um, but... Michael has a knack for finding bugs and, and kind of that traditional QA thing. But the more he got into these different features that were coming down the shipping links, the more he was able to say, you know, hey, um, here's what a customer would think. Here's where we would get pushback or anything from the support side. And it just kind of evolved from there. So it, it really complimented him being in that role, having that support background. Hmm. Weird, right? I like the idea <laughs> of the shipping lanes and the QA. I mean, a QA person is, I mean, if you are running an agile team, normally you get a scrum master, a product owner, mm-hmm. uh, two or three developers, a front end person, uh, a designer in the mix there. And hopefully, if not, sometime soon, QA person. Because if, and, you know, in my role uh, at Pure Charity, I kind of play. I play a lot of hats, and I play that QA role a lot too. I mean, other developers share that too because we all, um, you know, we all click the accept button here and there. But I'm the primary um, responsible person for accepting new shipped whatever. Mm-hmm. So if a story is complete, I'm in staging, completely testing it. It's it's my role to make sure that basically it's like a signature, it's a digital signature saying, "Yep, Adam says this is okay. Let's go to production with this." And, you know, so I kind of play a little bit of Michael's role, which is QA. And because I also get to do support, I'm playing uh, that same role there too. Yeah, it's going to, you're going to end up with a better product. You're going to end up with a better feature, whatever you're shipping. Um, and it's great because when, uh, when you tell your customers, you know, look, I, I really like this idea too. I, I really want to be your advocate and, and share this with the team. You, you get to actually mean that. Yeah. You know, it's not that just feedback I'm is really important. It. Honestly, that, I mean that that feedback is super important because, um, you know, sometimes the team only has like you mentioned resources. Like you only have enough resources for two shipping lanes. Well, mm-hmm. some teams only have enough resources to just keep focusing on moving forward, and hopefully, somebody else is coming back to them, either the product manager, product owner, or the QA person that says. Hey, you know, while testing this, this is what happened, or someone like you in the support team that says, "Hey, we're we're getting a lot of requests about X, Y, Z. Something's not right about the design of this page. I'm not a designer. I don't know how to fix it, but these are the problems that have been described to us." And that feedback is crucial to you know making ultimately the application better. So yeah, and you know, these shipping lanes are not like end all be all. So you know, when I say this, it's it's not like do these or, or you're not going to succeed or anything else there. There have been things. Just that, <laughs> uh, yeah. They, there have been times where we've had features that totally skipped the shipping lane just because they were minor changes or they were things that people kind of took up on their own. Like uh, one of the big features with Basecamp is we have an account export, right? So you can export everything and take it with you wherever you want to go. And a lot of our customers are writing in and saying, hey, can you export just this one project? And so we created this nice little script in the back end where we could go in to the, to the account and actually do that for them. It wasn't actually visible in the, in the UI, in the app itself, um, but we could do that. And it got to the point where we were getting so many of these that one of our uh, programmers kind of took it upon himself and said, look, you know, here's everything we need. We've already got it in the, uh, 
the app basically. We just need some design for it. Can somebody do it? And inside of a couple of days, it was done and, and shipped uh, without ever going through a shipping lane or anything like that. So that's you know another way that your customer's voice is going to come out of those emails uh, out of your support team and still get to help inspire and enhance your, your product. I love it. It's fun. I love it. <laughs> Everybody has to do shipping lanes. <laughs> it's, you know, we just started doing that in the last couple of months. And it was always tough at first because we've got so many different ideas that we want to do. And we've got limited resources. And, you know, we we were kind of doing these ad hoc teams that would get together and then do something and disband and, and all that kind of thing. And it was just kind of, it, it would have had to been tough on Ryan, our product manager, knowing what's what's happening at any given time. So especially as our team kept growing, having those shipping lanes helps define this is what's about to come out, you know, so support, get ready. Here's what's going to be launched. And the support team loves it because we know what's, what's happening. You know, the, the one thing I want to ask you too is, uh, and something we haven't, we talked a lot about the kind of person and what that person might do, but we haven't exactly talked about, and I don't mean like what else is out there in terms of software, but we haven't talked about software to help facilitate a lot of this. And it seems like, and as with anything you guys probably do, is is uh, that what you guys use for your help for Basecamp and others is something that you've done and baked yourself. Like you don't go out to desk and say, hey, desk, can I use your stuff? And I give you X money. It seems like you've taken a custom bespoke approach to it and built it out in a way that speaks your personality, your brand, and is your own software. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> a, a little bit. Uh, we do use desk. So we use desk.com every day. And that's kind of the the core of it for the email handling and, and that kind of thing there. But you don't use um, the knowledge base stuff. You just use it for the strictly email. Strictly email. Strictly email. We not tried Twitter, the, not Facebook, nothing yeah, else in there. You know, we tried the Twitter tool before, but it was really slow. Yeah, uh, sluggish, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really sluggish. It's one of those where, um, like I was mentioning earlier, time is time is everything when it comes to these these replies, right? So if I can answer a typical email inside of ten to fifteen seconds but then have to sit around and wait 10 seconds for a, a Twitter case to just pull up before I could even answer it. That's, it's killing me. You know? Yeah. Absolutely killing me. Um, so we use it strictly for email. Um, our help site itself is, uh, you know, home, homegrown and everything else. We actually use Jekyll to provide it, to, to power it on the backside, which is really fantastic. What? Um, yeah. You guys use Jekyll for this, huh? We use Jekyll so for Basecamp.com slash help is Jekyll. It's Jekyll based. Yeah. Um, and it's it's fantastic. It Jekyll and, and the Basecamp help site is the reason that I know how to use GitHub and that I wow. know how to get and pull and push and everything else, which is really empowering from the support side because we can kind of speak the language that the programmers are speaking, right? So we understand what they mean by, you know, we, uh, we're we pushing this out in just a second and, oh, now it's pushed out and we've got to roll it back. And, and when they talk about uh, commits and everything else, we, we understand what they're talking about. So that that was a big plus when it comes to, to launching that inside Jekyll, using Jekyll. So what about um, whenever there's a new – you said case. I was going to ask you about terminology too, yeah. but that's that's a really, really small subject because you said cases. Some people say tickets. You know, I don't think it really matters. But there's help.37signals.com slash bcx slash tickets slash new. Right. What is that? 
So that is a, a page that we built. And basically, when you submit a, a ticket, a case, an email, whatever you want to call it there, right? Whenever you submit there, that automatically sends an email to Gmail. And then Desk pulls that email from Gmail into, into itself, right? So Desk is providing the interface for everything. It's providing the, the way to interact, uh, leave notes on it, add labels to that case, and, and everything else. Um, but Gmail is on the back end actually receiving emails and sending emails. So I think that's pretty standard for, for most support apps out there. They usually tend to use Gmail or some other kind of online email that they pull in from there. Yeah, yeah. So for whatever reason. Um, and so this is just a piece of software that sits there. It's not Basecamp specific. It's not rail specific is it uh or even hanging off of the base camp app it's just kind of like its own thing that just takes in parameters and spits out an email to an email address yeah it's kind of a, a holdover from if you go to help.37signals.com that's actually an app it's a rails app that was built uh really hard to use and update and everything else from from a support side um, but that's that's how they they did it in the beginning. So that was that, and we kind of use that same app there to power that page. Um, so whenever you submit that form, it's just like you were submitting a form on Wufu or, or anything else. It just automatically kicks off the the email in the app and uh, sends it to Gmail. Huh. Yeah, and I love it. <laughs> it. It's fun. It's by no means in any way, shape, or form required. So, well, I think um, the the way you've got it set up, um, that's why I was asking some of these questions because mm-hmm. I, you know, I like Desk. I think Desk is awesome. I, mm-hmm. I was telling you the other day, I, I'm like, I've, I I want to use Desk, but I don't want to use Desk's front end. Yeah, like I, I think the way that that you got to hack around, you got to, and I don't mind paying for value. And so it's mm-hmm. not about more money, mm-hmm. but I think it was just way too hard to go in there and customize it. You know, I could probably build out the same thing quicker, faster, better with a basic WordPress theme I either do myself or buy and tweak mm-hmm. and get out the box that much faster. Or, you know, in your case, Jekyll, which is, you know, a, a good hacker tool. I mean, pretty much every, ha- every hacker out there who doesn't listen to this show, by the way, probably because they're, they're more like on the hacker side <laughs> than the support side. But every hacker out there has got a Jekyll blog and it's either Jekyll powered by itself or it's Octopress powered. So. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Jekyll's a great little tool for that help site. Works out really well, and it's just one of those where we have control over it. You know, if you use the the desk.com knowledge base, or if you use user voices knowledge base, if if you use somebody else's, right, you're kind of beholden to them. So it looks like they want it to. Yeah, might get a little customization in there, but nothing along the lines of what we did at basecamp.com forward slash help. So. What about search though? The one thing I do like about <laughs> Desk is uh, the keywording on knowledge base articles in yep. search. We're working on that. Um, that's one of those things that I, I've taken my my hand at, kind of figuring it out. Search is tough, you know, and we're spoiled because search is Google tough no does it what. so I mean, well. Help or anything, it search is yeah. just tough. Period. Google does it so well, and it spoils everybody. And and so, you know, I we've got some kind of beta things on on different branches inside of uh that help page and we're looking at different things and it's just one of those where we haven't hit the right combination yet uh, so the reason why that the search bar isn't there yet isn't because we were like you don't need search it's because we haven't found the right way the to right tool it, yeah. to to do that yet and we try to you know we definitely try to the guides are set up in such a way that if you have a calendar question you click on the calendar and you kind of it's right there um you have a question about your your mobile app you go to the mobile guide and you click right there so that was kind of our our standpoint at 
at the beginning was, you know, we don't need search right away because these guides are set up in a way that they're, it's almost kind of guiding you in the right way that you want to go. Um, plus it encourages a lot of exploration, right? So you get in, if I'm the typical thing, you, you go to a knowledge base and you go, I need to know how to change my password. So you type in the search, change password, gives you the page and tells you how to do it. But when you go to the basecamp.com forward slash help, and you're, you're curious about that, you go there, you click on the U page and you see how to do that, but you also see ways of setting your notifications or ways of, of changing an email address or, or all these other things that maybe you weren't thinking about at, the, at that time, but that are going to make you a better user at the end of the day. So that, that exploration was a, a big benefit to, to designing that site that way. So let me ask you a question. I know that you guys are all about branding and things got to look good and decent design and stuff like that. I mean, not everything you guys do is super beautiful, but mostly beautiful. Um, who's in charge of this? Like, is it th- this whole thing is in the support team's hands or is there like a developer that does help out with this or a designer that does help out with this or is like the content even just like even just adding a new page and screenshots? Is that all support person managed? It's definitely a, a group effort here. And kind of what we do is uh, the support team, we all have like our kind of side projects that we work on uh, just so we're not answering emails all day and our brain doesn't fry from just doing that. So when it comes to help pages, Ann Goliak uh, is on the support team and she headed it up first because she is a, uh, she used to be a librarian. She actually has her master's degree now. And for her master's thesis, she talked about how help pages can be better and how the customer can can get more use out of them. So it was a natural fit. Um, she went in and partnered up with one of our designers, Mig, and they sat down and sketched out everything. And, and so basically now what happens with that help page that we've got it up and running, Mig takes care of the design part. So if we ever go, hey, we need like this other page added or something like that, we can go to him for it. But f- for the content, um, for the screenshots, for all that like actual meat and substance of it, we handle it. Uh, we're able to... Uh, to basically add those articles in whenever we need to. And and we even have like a staging server so we can test it out first to make sure it looks right uh, before we deploy. It's almost like, you know, you're designing for an app. It's, we, we have that same process uh, of here's the page we want to add. Here's the content we, we want to add. Let's push it to staging so we can look at it and get other people's opinion on it. And then we push it live and, and customers can actually use it. Yeah, I think this is, this is pretty phenomenal. It's slick, I right? mean, I mean, they I never really took the time to like really dive deep into it, but when I start to investigate this, and then what you just said there, I, I feel you've said earlier how much uh, how important this first hire is. Mm-hmm. If they're going to be the kind of if their job is going to be to help develop something even remotely like this, not so much look wise, but content wise, like mm-hmm. having clear thought through FAQs, easy to read, having clear thought through separations of guys that make sense for our application or even, I mean, what you guys have done here is no different than any other app, but you've just done it in a way that the hierarchy of it and the findability of it is very easy. Like your FAQs page is spot on, your guides page is spot on. Being able to see all these different videos is super neat. I know you guys spend a lot of time on the production value of those, so that's mm-hmm. that's always fun. But then even your cheat sheet, which is like if you want to be a power user. Do you know um, uh, Kathy Sierra by any chance? You yeah. ever heard her name? Absolutely. She shows up on the, the SVM blog every now and then. That's a real treat. Yeah. She she has this thing that she says, you know, help your users kick ass. Yep. And so that's why for me as a product manager, I get so um, – 
I, I don't know how to describe the excitement that I get when I think about support because it touches so many nuances of the whole entire product that you can't really put your finger on one particular place because you know you develop your software in such a way so that the user experience is right, which also tailors into how you can even provide support and the type of an amount of support you'll give. And then at the same time, how you can actually help somebody become a super awesome power user. That's not exactly support, but that's in the support realm, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything you guys have here is like how to kick butt at being, being you know, at Basecamp. That's what this page is about, your cheat sheet page. It's like, yeah. that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's one of those. And look, bear in mind, when you're making this first support hire, we've been doing this for a while. You know, I, I've been doing for support for two years. You know, there are people that have worked here longer than I have. And, and collectively as a company, we've been here since 1999. Um, seriously, go look at help.37signals.com and then go back to the Basecamp help page. And you can see, oh, this is where we really got it. We really understand what a customer help page help site needs to look like and feel like and yeah. and all that. So um as you make the first hire and you you get them working and they're they're working on different things, they're going to make mistakes in, in the beginning. It's okay. It's fine. You know this this is customer support. This is emails. This is not rocket science. This is not surgery. Nobody's going to die if if we don't have a, a cheat sheet or something. If we don't think about that, right? Um, but the cool thing is that when you when you hire the support person, you kind of want to get exposed to these kind of things. You you're not going to have an awesome help site on, on day one when they first come in, but you you want to hire somebody that is thinking about these things, that is thinking about how can I help the customer kick ass rather than just answer a question. Mm. So much work. <laughs> so much work, It's a work, lot, man. but look, when you make that first support hire and they start taking over some of the jobs that, that you've been doing, it's going to free you up to do even better and more awesome things. I, I like it. I think it's you know it's a super huge challenge to to even yeah we're not going to have the best looking design. My my biggest concern is access to um, support quickly. You know, not having to get frustrated with how do I even get a hold of support? How do yep. I even tell somebody I'm I'm upset right now because of whatever has not gone right for them. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, giving them the necessary tools to do what you guys are doing here, which is to discover and investigate and to learn and to, and to fall in love. I mean, I think a lot of what this type of site does for you guys is helps a user that really, really cares about becoming better at, at using Basecamp and really getting good at it, fall in love with your product. Yeah. And once you got them hooked on that love, like they're going to become loyal. Feel the base camp love. I'm telling you, man. Feel the base camp love. There you go. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it, it, your customer support, you need to be thinking about a couple of things, right? First, it's when they're inside of the app, if they run into a problem, if they need, if they have a question, how easy is it to find you? How easy is it to get to your help site? Okay. So, once you've got that solved in the second line here, the second line of defense or whatever you want to call it is the help site itself. Is it valuable? Is it uh, easy to use and understand? Does it not only answer the question, but also teach them at the same time? Because if you nail those first two, then the third line here where they actually have to email you or chat with you or, or get in contact with you, that's the easy part. You know, that's where the, the questions are, you know, 
I, I've got this problem and, and how am I going to do that? You didn't mention it in, in the design. You didn't mention it in the help site, but here I am. So how do you help me fix that? Yeah. If, if you mess up one or two there, then that, that third layer is going to be really, really, really hard. You're going to have so many emails you don't know what to do with. But if you get you know, the design of the app itself right, if you get the help site right, those kind of self-service materials, videos and pages and guides and things like that, then it's going to make that support person at the actual support person on uh, level three, just a, a lot. They'll have an easier time and they'll love you for it. Well, no, I'm, no, I'm just ready to, to find the right person and start kicking butt, you know, Telling can't you, wait. put out that job post and then let me just sing about it from the highest mountain on my side. Sing about it, huh? Yes. Oh boy. Yes. I, I get excited when I see job openings, right? So uh, Wistia had some great job openings, and I was so happy when, when uh, Jeff emailed me and was like, hey, we've got this, because I, I genuinely want people to have jobs as awesome as mine and as awesome as yours. You know, I yeah. don't want them working 50 or 60 hours a week in a restaurant for $35,000. That's yeah. so, it's a miserable, miserable job at that point. That's not what you want. No. And, you know, the best part is that there's somebody out there who's hating their job at the time. They think that they have no other choices. They think they have no other options. But lo and behold, they have all the necessary skills Mm -hmm. and all the necessary resources to get a different job. Yeah. And and they just don't know. That that was the biggest thing with me. Like, I never knew the world of customer support was run like we run it until I joined up with 37signals. Like, I had no idea. So, one more question for you. Um, so, you have smiley.37signals.com, and this right. is your, your smiley project where it's about your happiness report, and whatnot. So, if you use Desk, how does Desk help you make these smileys? Is this something outside of Desk? Yes, yeah, Smiley is an app that we built in 24 hours uh, before my time. So, uh, I hear stories about how awesome it was building it out and that kind of thing. But basically, it's its own little app that lives. Uh, by itself and inside of desk there's a spot to customize the emails that you send out right so we plug in a little html code and things at the bottom of each email and so when a when a customer gets an email they're given the three faces and and told hey you know you can let us know how you're feeling at the moment just by clicking on it there so uh, we built it you know it's it's an internal app for us but there's a great site uh, a great app called Hively, so teamhively.com, H-I-V-E-L-Y, that uh, provides that service and, and it plugs right into your, your desk or user voice or anything else that you're using and, and helps out. Teamhively.com. That's him typing it in right now and going to that That site. is That is me. <laughs> I think I've seen this before because I saw somebody Buffer. send me. I think, yeah, it, I think it was Buffer. You're right. Yeah. Um, they use this, and I was thinking, like, oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's it's a great little app. Um, one of the ones that I'm actually reviewing for an, an upcoming series here at Support Ops, and that's, oh, I love it. It's just so fantastic. And so you're you're like on this little trek to review all these different apps like that, and give everyone the the nitty gritty on what they should use. It's like fifteen bucks a month. Yeah, Hively is is worth the money. Um, definitely worth the money. It's one of those where, could you live without it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's just handy, for lack of a better word. 15 per month, 2 bucks per additional team member. That's not bad. Um, that one's great. 
Uh, What's going to happen, though, for them whenever Desk cannibalizes that and they're like, oh, well, we'll just that's just a feature. They'll, they'll figure out something else. They'll figure out a way to make them more invaluable that Desk doesn't do. So I hope going. so. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, this is like neat, them. though. I, mean, I, I don't know if we need the Smiley right now. I think our, our main focus is just timely, accurate, helpful, yep. uh, delightful support, you know? Yeah. I think it's about delighting your users versus just... Um, you know, just being like, oh, hey, that I forgot password right there below. Yeah, you missed that. Sorry, buddy. You're not so smart. <laughs> yeah. You are not so smart. Definitely down the road. Um, one thing that I will say that you could use right away, one that I'm reviewing right now from, ironically enough, from the guys over at uh, HelpSpot, um, pastevault.com. So P-A-S-T-E-V-A-U-L-T, pastevault.com. It's the coolest little thing because... Basically, you know, when you're talking with a customer via email and they've got something sensitive to send you like their credit card number or their password and things like that, um, if they send it to you in an email, it's, if you're using Desk, it's going to sit inside like Gmail forever, right? Right. And, and you don't want that. So PaceVault actually goes in and basically encrypts the text and then you send a link to, uh, to the customer. The customer can send a link to you and there's a password to decrypt the text. And then the text expires after, uh, you know, five minutes an wow. hour, 12 hours, whatever. So their credit card's not sitting around anywhere. Not only that, but Pace Vault is open source. Open source, entirely free to use. Man, entirely. You know, you know, it's it's a cool little app. You know, I uh, I, I run the changelog, right? I do. And what, what does the changelog do? It talks about open source things. Man, nothing <laughs> makes me happier than seeing awesome software that's open source. See? I told you uh, you get something useful out of this interview. Yes, that that yeah, that's the only thing though. The <laughs> only thing. No, I'm kidding. This has been a an awesome <laughs> chat. I'm totally enlightened right now, man. I'm I'm so excited that uh to be on your show. I think you got a great show here. Um the work you're doing at, at 37 Signals is just phenomenal. I mean, all you guys, you guys are all just, you know, kicking butt. I like it. So Oh, thanks. And that's, I appreciate you doing great. this podcast and even your blog to to share some of that wisdom too, because I don't think there's anybody. I mean, literally, there's you're in a blue ocean, my friend. There's no one else talking about what you're talking about. Man, I love my little niche here. I yeah. do. It's it's great. Everyone talks about customer service. No one talks about customer support. Oh man, they're just that's a shame. So, what what? So when are you doing your newsletter? Do you have a newsletter sign up? Did I miss it? Did I not see it? I do have one. Um, so supportops.co over on the right side, there is a uh, a link to the newsletter. It goes out about once a month. Uh, gets a you know you get a little bit you get a little bit more info out of it. I usually include kind of a tip of the month that helps out just a little bit. Um, so. Uh, you know, like last month's tip was talking about how you need to go through and actually clean up your knowledge base every now and then. So like once a month, go through and look for outdated articles that need to be updated and assign it out to your team and, and get them updated. Something that nobody really ever thinks about. But when a customer runs up on an outdated help page, oh man, it's just, it's frustrating. Oh man, that is not so, cool. That is not cool. I'm excited. I just signed up for the newsletter, and if you're listening to this and you're digging this conversation, you should too. You should. You absolutely yeah, you, should. You and absolutely should. And cool thing you didn't is, even mention that you're membership driven. I didn't know that. Uh, in beta testing right now, so it's one of those things where I really love what I do here, and you know, there's not a lot of overhead or anything like that. But um, there is some overhead for hosting and everything else. So uh, sponsorship, we're trying that out. That's why you heard about HelpSpot at the top, uh, and, and Membership, too. It's one of those where the reason why I don't have to sell stupid ads that you don't care about is because people will actually contribute each month, and it's, yeah. you know, 
every little bit helps. I love that too, man. Yeah, the change law is the same. We we're like forget. Oh, we're not forget. Not in a negative, negative, super bad way, <laughs> but like tired of selling ads. I don't yep. want to chase people down. All I care about is creating awesome content. Exactly, and and I want you, the reader, to support me doing that. You guys over there use you use Memberful, right? Or do you just use Stripe? We we integrate with Stripe directly through Stripe directly. Uh, through okay. WordPress. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't so have the programming WordPress. chops that you do, so. <laughs> um, I got into the beta access for Memberful after hearing about them on on Five by Five, and they're fantastic. It was so easy to, to start and use, and they're good guys. Memberful is built by uh, the Theme Foundry. Mm-hmm. Um, the founder of the Theme Foundry was on Founders Talk. And There's the connection. There, it's like six degrees of of Kevin Bacon here. You know? That's what we're gonna do. It, it's now six degrees of Adam, and we're gonna see. There you go. A Founders <laughs> Talk. Yeah, it's pretty. It really is pretty funny because. Um, John Crawford runs Store Envy. He is in San Francisco now. He is good friends. I mean, just it's kind of a long story, but um, he, I didn't know I had such an influence in his in his career path and some choices he made. But uh, there was a talk that he did last year at LesConf. So if you're a fan of LesConf, uh, last year John Crawford, the founder of Store Envy, gave a talk and. I see all these tweets, you know, thanking me, and I'm like, "What the heck for?" <laughs> and I, I guess I had done something in John's path to make his path go the right way. And I mean, it was nothing, but his point was was that you know, uh, I think it was something about friends and something like that. I'm like, "Wow, that's so awesome!" I didn't even know that I'd play that part in your life. Thanks. It's it's a pretty awesome feeling, huh? It is. It is pretty <laughs> awesome. And then being a support person, I mean, you know, the sky's the limit, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So with that, that's a wrap for this episode. Um, as long as this one's been, it's probably going to be two episodes. So if you're now sitting through part two, congratulations. That's that's all you get to hear about Adam for a little bit. Oh. But uh, you get to chat with Adam more over on Twitter. He's at Adam Stack, A-D-A-M-S-T-A-C. Head over to that's, his website. That is true. AdamStakoviak.com. Yep. AdamStakoviak.com. I'm still so glad I was able to say that. I didn't even ask you beforehand how I pronounce it. I was like, that looks like Stakoviak. Yeah. You know, that's everybody says that. It's um, it's said like it's spelled. That's what I always told my teachers. <laughs> so uh, a big thanks to Chase Livingston, our podcast producer, to HelpSpot, sponsoring this episode. And as always, let me know what you thought of this one. Talk with me on Twitter. The handle's at supportops. You can shoot me an email, show at supportops.co. And as always, you can leave a message for the show over at supportops.co forward slash message. I'm Chase, and until we meet again, have an awesome week. Thank you.